0: Hi everyone, my name is Katie Ho and welcome to The Gender Movement, an awesome platform where we, yes including you, share a series of talks with some of the incredible tourism professionals all over New Zealand, on their personal and career journeys, and best of all, challenge their honest takes on what is going on in the industries. So put on your jandals and let's join the movement behind the great mahi of Aotearoa tourism. everyone and welcome back to the second episode of the gender movement podcast our guest for today's show happens to be one of the most prominent female figures in new zealand tourism industry gina palladini so, 25 years ago, she decided to say goodbye to America and move to New Zealand. And from that point on, she has managed to build a successful career in the industry with various successful startups such as New Zealand Encounters, Tour Riders, and etc. She's now one of the directors of Tomahawk, an Auckland based digital tourism marketing agency. With her amazing background, we sat down together to talk about the state of our industry today business resilience during COVID pandemic, and so much more. She's indeed an incredible lady, and I'm sure you learned so much from this episode. So let's just jump right into that. Hi, Gina. Thank you so much for being a part of my podcast. And yeah, I just want to throw it out of the way. Like, it's really a freaking weird year for all of us. So what was your first, how would you describe your emotions in one word about this year? Wow. <laughs> well,
1: I call it the Corona coaster um, because it's like this roller coaster that goes like this. So there's not one emotion um, because, um, you know, there's these struggles and you're going up and maybe you're hearing, you know, something um really challenging that's happening to somebody you know in the industry or i've had to let a lot of staff go you know people that did nothing wrong that are beautiful people and talented people but um you know like everybody you know we were affected because we're a tourism marketing company and tourism development um, software house you know when tourism stops it's like holy macaroni so but then there's like these really great slides where it's a beautiful ride because people in the industry are so resilient and really supporting and exploring new places in the country. So that's exciting, right? Because it's like, yay, they they're actually exploring their own country and appreciating how amazing um, the industry is that we have here. So I call it the Corona coaster. So it's filled with lots of emotions. I also call it the year of AA, and that's not Alcoholics Anonymous, even though alcohol definitely has played a role (laughs) in coping, (laughs) Um, but I call it the year of AA because we're all kind of living on adrenaline and a tad of anxiety, Um, and that's just the reality, and the adrenaline is what keeps us going. The anxiety is just really around the uncertainty, so the only thing certain is the uncertainty, you know? From you know, Stephen England Hall to Greg Foren, the CEO of New Zealand to any of the leaders that you talk to, you know, they'll say, you know, they have the same crystal balls and tea leaves that we do to tell the future. So they don't know anything um, different than we do. So we don't, this is all new to all of us, right? There's no precedence that we can look to the past and go, okay, well, what we can expect to happen is X, Y, Z. Um, so that's where the anxiety part kind of runs in with some people. So yeah, A, adrenaline and Corona Coaster. That was a really long answer to a quick question.
0: <laughs> I love how you come up with a lot of keywords for that. And a lot of nicknames for this year. It's <laughs> quite incredible. Yeah. I would yeah. say that's definitely a Corona Coaster as well. It, it's insane. Every person that I talk to, even, um, I would know them a couple of years before, and now they're um, even like you would expect them to be at the peak of their career. Yeah. But for a moment, it's heartbreaking to see all of your staff go and okay. wishing them all the best. And especially it has been with airlines, it happens with travel agents. And yeah. that was definitely heartbroken for it. Yeah. But how, and so where you are at the moment in December and about to move in for the next year, are you feeling more positive now or you're still at the stage of feeling really uncertain about next year? Like, I am still not sure where this is going to go.
1: Well, I don't think any of us are sure where it's going to go, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, the the vaccine's not a silver bullet. Um, it obviously will help so many lives be saved and it will also be a part of the equation that helps opening um our borders and international travel um we all want to kick 2020 to the curve there is no doubt um but i don't think january 1st 2021 is a silver bullet either <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, I've got I've got a lot of concerns for, for 2021 in the sense that um you know Kiwis are planning and really looking forward to their summer holidays and summer will be busy for the normal places, you know, the Coromandel, the campgrounds. Um and then if our borders do open to Raro to Cook Islands in January or February right? And then that's just a little concern about what that means down in domestic or the Tasman bubble. But the Tasman bubble is two ways. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that all the Aussies are going to come here. So it means that equally, you know, people are going to go to Aussie. So it's not going to be this, that's not going to be a silver bullet any either. Um, and at the NZ Tech Christmas party last week, Peter Shelley, who heads up Tech. So, NZ Tech is New Zealand Tourism Export Council. And that's the organization in our industry where all the inbounders um, belong to. And then a lot of suppliers that work with those inbounders belong to NZ Tech. Um, and that Christmas event is one that we look forward to all year. And as part of that Christmas um, event, they did a live um, chat with Peter Shelley, who's in charge of ATEC which is the Australian version of Mm -hmm. NZTEC. Tourism loves acronyms. Um, (laughs) And he was talking about that Australia's looking at maybe opening their borders to Japan, South Korea, and Singapore. And then it was like this hush in the room because if Australia opens up to Japan, then the Australians won't come to New Zealand for the winter ski holiday they're all go there. So um I don't mean to sound gloom and doom at any way in any any way, but to answer your question, how do I feel about 2021? It's still uncertainty. Um I think that this is just going to be this two to three year cycle that that we're going to be in while we all learn how to live with pandemics and manage them. And it does allow opportunities. Every, every, they, you know, all great leaders will tell you that every crisis presents opportunities. Mm.
0: Um, so that's what we just have to look for. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that when you mentioned opportunities, even though your feelings still have that much of this uncertainty inside of you, but I think your optimism shows through mm-hmm. that like grasping opportunity especially from what I see through some of your current project as well especially for the bingo bonanza mm-hmm. and yeah and I just read the post somewhere that you said you didn't expect to start another business this okay
1: uh, <laughs> I
0: I've been
1: in tourism now for 23 years um so when I moved to New Zealand almost 24 years ago yeah. and I've started a number of tourism companies, and 2020 was supposed to be my year to slow down. <laughs> and um, here I turned around and started another new company. But that, so that's the perfect example of um, crisis creates opportunity. You know, because when you when you have to stop, like so many people right now are startups, because but startups like with a ton of experience right so like inbound agents it's like holy macaroni we don't have people coming in so what can we do differently b&b operators b&b kiwis don't like b and B's, right Mm -hmm. so b&b operators have to like be a startup but they're a startup with tons of experience and knowledge right so so that's what I mean about opportunity in every crisis and just being creative. And this pandemic has forced us to stop and look at our priorities. And, you know, if I was to redo my business, I'm speaking like anybody else, what would I change so it was better? Um, the it, the tourism industry will always thrive because as humans, we're curious and and and, cure, and travel is the greatest meal for curiosity, you know? Oh, so, true. Yeah. So true. And, yeah. you know, we're all craving it, right? We're all like, I just want to see something different and feel something different and experience another culture or another food and, and we thrive for newness. Um, so tourism and travel will always thrive. It just might be a little different and that's where the
0: opportunities lie. Mm. Oh my god, that is so true. Especially if there's anything that, you know, you would motivate yourself to continue to go forward with, you know, with this career, is that human strife will never end, especially for travels. Imagine, we're lucky as an as a nation that we haven't got Back into the lockdown later on, comparing like to other countries, because some of my friends they're staying in Canada's or America right now. Well, that's my family. I know the mental impacts of the lockdown is so heavy, on, you know, on a lot of people. And we're, we're so lucky to be able to go around and explore domestic travels, especially just, you know, just to walk around your cities, have some staycation, explore a restaurant. We're still there. It's, it's, now is a new privilege for 2020. It's a new privilege that we it's need to be thankful privilege.
1: for. You know, when I said earlier about um Peter Shelley from Australia, he, yeah. you know, zoomed in and he was like, oh, my gosh. Look at, you guys have hundreds of people sitting next to each other in a room. <laughs> it's so true. You know, even Australia, they can't do that, right? And my family in California, they're going into their ninth month of lockdown.
0: Oh my God, nine so, months of lockdown.
1: <laughs> no, so, so look at, we're really, really fortunate to be in this, we, you know, the other good thing about tourism, because I can talk about tourism and I can talk about digital and I can talk <laughs> about marketing all day long. But the other good thing about tourism is that the skills that you learn here are so incredibly transferable. And a lot of the people that like work at Tomahawk, you know, they might have started off as a lawyer. And then those organizational and detailed skills mean that and there's those communication skills mean they're really good at being an account manager for a tourism, right? And where the joy comes in with our industry, besides being in an industry that will always exist, right? Yeah, is that our industry helps to make the world a better place? And there's not a lot of people that can say that. I mean, you know, um, about their job because when we when people travel, it opens up perspectives and it opens up um, appreciation and um, and understandings, and that just makes you more tolerant. And so, yeah, I just would be I would be really really um, if anybody told me because of COVID, they're looking at leaving the tourism industry, I'd be there like shaking them going you can't. <laughs> we need you good people and it will come back and it will be good. Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that is so true. Because I, um, so I had a talk with Matt, and he said, in the future, there will be 35 to 40,000 shortest and labors in the tourism industry. And I was like, that's a massive amount number. And I don't know if Kiwi, all the Kiwi people can just fill in the gap with that, especially when migrants, they have to leave the country and go back to their country Ah. and stuff. And once the borders open, I don't think there will be a massive influx immediately to come back. And so his own world missions right now is to figure out how to sustain the tourism workforce and how to motivate them and how to remind people that sense up their work meanings that, hey, everything that you've been doing for the past couple of years, it actually contributes a lot and we need you right now. And so, yeah, I can totally feel that from your perspective as well.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Go With Tourism is fantastic. It's an amazing initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we have the pleasure of working um, with Matt um, and the Go With Tourism team um, and, because we also not just as a, as a customer business relationship, but because we believe in this industry and that's why we mentor and do stuff like that because um, it is a really honorable, amazing um, industry. It's really funny because um, when I moved to New Zealand 23 years ago, as I said, um, I was not in tourism, right? I mm. lived in a, in a big city and I was a trader and um I moved to Fitianga on the Coromandel Peninsula, and there wasn't a lot of need for my previous role. Oh my
0: God. And I remember, God. yeah.
1: And I remember telling my parents, I'm in love with New Zealand, and I'm just going to. Um, I got really sick of friends and family in America asking me if I had seen a kangaroo or a koala. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> You know, I live in New Zealand. So I started a company called New Zealand Encounters, which was an inbound, the first B2C. When I'm told my parents, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be an inbound travel agent, they're like, oh, honey, not a travel agent. Um, but then, now they have this whole appreciation, you know. Um, the thing about tourism is that you can make it anything you want. You can be an entrepreneur. Whether you can be an, you can be a business owner. You can, you know, there's tons of stories about the guy um, who started of, as a porter at Sky City. And, you know, now he's the general manager, you know, so it's
0: what you make of it. Oh, wow. That's amazing. But which state are you originally from, like in America? California. California. Wow, that's amazing. I have my whole massive family in California at the moment as well. I read it somewhere that you also have like Italian heritage as well, isn't it? Oh wow. My name
1: is Regina Janine, your bottom is Tina Lolandaro Belladini. I'm Italian.
0: <laughs> I um I don't think I can <laughs> say no. <laughs> the first go like that. But that's, that's so cool. Oh my yeah, god. But, well, but
1: everybody from America is from someplace else except for the American Indians. So
0: yeah. Yeah, true. Because it's such a diverse country as well. But what really made you go to New Zealand? Like what drove you? Oh, cute kiwi guy! Yeah. <laughs> Our weakness, <laughs> exactly. That. Yeah, it's an it's a
1: it's a privilege and a um and a pleasure to you know be able to show off this country. It's not the easiest country to run a business. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. Um, but um, it's um. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't want to be any any place, else. Any place <laughs> else. So when you moved to New Zealand and then you started to involved in a series of just tourism entrepreneurship and such like that, but what what really drove you to that path as well, like starting new companies like NZ Encounters and later on with multiple businesses that you're having right now? What's the you story? know it. It's
1: really funny. So like I said, um, when I when I went to Fidianga, it's absolutely beautiful, but it's a small town, right? It's 4,000 people. And so um, I literally just put up a website um, called New Zealand Encounters and really specialized in talking to Americans. You know, back then there were no Starbucks here um you know new zealanders don't have fly screens on their window they drive on the other side of the road but it's the greatest country in the world and let me show you why and so um i didn't even know what an inbound tourism agent was to be perfectly honest i didn't even know what the 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 travel distribution pathway was i didn't know that you're supposed to be you know a wholesaler working with an inbounder and all this i just put up a website and so even though I get, you know, tagged with being the first um, B2C inbounder, I didn't do that out of cleverness or even knowing what I was doing. I was, I just had a passion and saw a problem. So I went to go solve it. Right. And so New Zealand encounters grew. It grew really, really quickly and it went great. Oh, wow. And then September 11th happened.
0: Right.
1: So all of my customers canceled, all of my business stopped, just like now. And that's why I've got a really great, you know, personal example of opportunity and crisis. So um, because of September 11th, um, I had to go, holy macaroni, how do I feed my family? And what do I do for a job? And one of the things that we did at New Zealand Encounters is we only booked our travelers in owner-operated accommodations, small accommodations. We didn't use hotels because we took the, um, our point of difference and ethos was really about New Zealand. people come for the landscapes and the pretty pictures, but they leave with the memories of the people, right? So it was all about meeting Kiwis. And so... One of the problems with news at New Zealand Encounters was being able to contact and book back then, right? So I went, okay, we've got to find an easier way for accommodations to be booked. And so that's when we started ResBook, which is a booking engine, which was New Zealand's first booking engine. Um, and there wasn't one before that, right? So mm-hmm. again, I didn't know... I didn't, I was just trying to solve a problem. That's it, right? So so we started building um, ResBook um, um, with some very clever people. And then about two years later, Americans started traveling again. So then New Zealand Encounters started growing again. And then the problem with any agency is trying to, you know, craft itineraries, which is a really great job in tourism, you know, being able to create people's vacations. Like what an honor to be able to share this with people. And the client says, yes. The traveler says, yes, I like it. Then you've got to book it then you've got to create an itinerary. It's a really big job, right? And it takes a lot of time. So I had to find a smarter and cleverer way to do that. So the business could scale and we could save time. And that's when I started Writer, which is a system for inbounders. So really, all of them, all of them were just about identifying a problem and creating a solution for it.
0: I love that natural instincts in you, that just figuring it out <laughs> and trying to solve the problems. But from all of that, what is your I would say like a number one lesson that you learned from your entrepreneurship journeys, like from your crisis management and everything. Never stop believing. Never stop believing.
1: Never stop believing. If you, you know, the great New Zealand bingo bonanza um, was creating crisis and going, oh my gosh, we've only got Kiwis to support Kiwis now, right? And how do we motivate Kiwis to get out and explore and support their country? And um, it's, I had, we had lots of knocks along the way. You know, people going, oh my God, this is great. We're gonna support you. And then that falls. And then, oh my gosh, this is good, but we can't afford to support you. You know, so you get lots and lots of knocks on the way. But if you really believe in your idea and you really surround yourself with good people you can't have all the answers so surround yourself with great people but if you surround yourself with good people they will challenge you you know too so they'll go oh this might not work but this so you do need to test you know your dream you have to be bold um you know too often in tourism we say that we have to innovate or we have to do things different and then we are we we're not bold or courageous enough to do it. You just have to, you just have to believe in it and be courageous and keep going.
0: Oh, wow. That's so nice to hear. And how is your bingo Bonanza project is doing at the moment? As so it's been live for five weeks.
1: Yeah. Um, so we've been building it for eight months and a half a million dollars later. Um, wow. it, it's really, really exciting. Um, So it's going great. Um, The whole ethos of Bingo Bonanza is um, about incentivizing people to have fun, right? So it's just about go have fun, go spend your money in New Zealand, we'll reward you for doing so, because you'll get a prize. And right now it's all about helping the tourism industry. And then in February and March, we'll be launching it into schools. Because we want more school children to understand how great tourism is, right? Yeah. So it means that a teacher can do a little class about New Zealand and about tourism. And that class can create their own bingo card. And then whenever their bingo card gets played, one of our sponsors pays them. So it becomes a fundraiser for the school.
0: Oh, wow. That's
1: yeah. So it's like a win-win-win, right? So. Yeah. The school wins because they get fundraiser, the students and the kids win because they're learning about New Zealand and everything and tourism wins because now there's a teacher and, and a group of students that understands our industry and the importance and, and um, about their country. Um, yeah, and then it gets released into sports clubs and community groups so they can do fundraising and they can, um, you know, if you're, maybe you're a conservation, um, group that's trying to plant trees or clean a river and you can have a bingo card and get people to help you and become a fundraiser. So it's it's all about um, people having fun and connecting with community and being rewarded for doing so. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: That's a really nice way of approaching the communities and all the small groups like that. I really love that. And I also love how like I noticed and every of your business, there's a bit of that ethos that you care a lot about the environment and yeah. also your talk with regenerative travel as well. And so what uh, what's your thought about this? Why, why are you such a big advocate for that as well?
1: We talk about sustainability a lot. Right. So yeah. um, and it's really important. And sustainability is one step. Sustainability implies that you know you keep things going as they are right don't add any damage right recycle don't do um so that's tourism is actually making it better right so it's like how can tourism not just not impact our our environment but how can tourism actually make our environment better and that's why i really love regenerative tourism Mm. and Regenerative tourism is really about community, right? Um, about um, in, including all of the community to ensure when, um, when tourism touches your community, that it gives back. How can the community give to tourism also? Um, and it's um, a lot of it, you know, Everybody thinks it's like new and it's cool. It's like actually this is just like how the indigenous people that's their ethos. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's it yeah. So that's that's like the simplest way of explaining it, Katie, is that sustainability, sustainable tourism is not damaging, regenerative is and a step more. Um, how can we how can we bring um, like I love the idea, a simple example is um, imagine if you were, let's talk about Tadafari, which is the East Cape of the North Island. Imagine if as part of tourism, you could go to a local cafe and at three o'clock, I'm making this up on the spot. um, At three o'clock at the cafe, the different elders or older people in the community kind of hang out. And you, as a visitor, could go have afternoon tea and chat with elders to learn their stories about growing up here. Or maybe um, it's um, somebody from the local Iwi who could share something about their culture. Or So it's just, you know, and so what that does is it it gives a, a symbiotic relationship, right? where the elders are meeting people and feeling good about passing on stories and sharing and meeting new people, which is regenerative for them, right? But the visitor is getting all of this authentic, real um, uh, engagement with, with somebody who's lived there forever and has stories. So that's like a little example. I mean, of course, there's when you do tourism, you put out traps you know, to, to get rid of pests or you plant a tree. And so there's some really obvious ones like that. Um, but even going deeper.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow.
1: Like, like the afternoon tea with elders. I just love, yeah, something like that.
0: Mm, that is so cool because it really relates to the, um, just a thing where you give the power back to the communities and you let them do the story tellings aspects of that. And also, it also comes with, um, you know, just using um, all the, how do you say, I I heard a story somewhere that they use um, waste coconut leaves and stuff like that, and they're trying to restore it, use something for the better and just all all that kind of stuff I love that. the first time that I heard about regenerative travel, I was like, all right, it's just gotta be another flashy word for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And let's just see how it goes. Because as someone who worked in tourism marketing, as you know, as well, sometimes people use sustainable travel as another way of so-called green washings in Correct. Bits, Correct. businesses and stuff. And in order to shift that image and the stigma coming with that, takes a lot of words and that's why regenerative travels comes and it brings in a whole new world. Like if you truly understand it. And I, I started to believe in that a lot because I was like, oh my God, this is actually something I have been doing as well in the past, but I just no word to describe it. So for yeah. example, like you said, I love the example of going to a cafe and talk to the elders and yeah. stuff like that. Cause I would come back to the country. And I would sit down for hours with people by the cafe as well. Listen to war stories, listen to my grandma and stuff like that. But the thing is, like, they don't really associate that with tourism. But now when you combine to that, it gives a very interesting thought about the ways to visit the destinations, like how to experience and stuff. So I love that.
1: Yeah. And it's yeah. And it's just all about, you know, too often um there's these social amenities that tourism offers towns and people don't understand that so what i mean by that is that like the the driving route between christchurch and mount cook right all of those little cafes in the small towns and all those little shops they all thrive because of tourism and yes it might only be during high season but because they make so much money during that time those cafes and those shops are able to be around all year for the locals but it's not seen as part of tourism so those is so that's the the social amenities that tourism provides that isn't acknowledged or recognized as a benefit of tourism because too often it's just like a tourist or you know, taking over our toilets, you know, our public toilets, or we don't have enough, or there's not enough parking. Um, so when you have community engagement through regenerative tourism, there's that symbiotic appreciation.
0: But how would you imagine that being placed in New Zealand context in the next five years or so? Like have you ever- uh, it's gonna
1: take a mind shift to be honest, Katie? It's gonna take mm-hmm. a huge shift because we have to you know, there's the tourism advisory task force that's now been created. So there's a positive and an opportunity out of out of a crisis where and we could reimagine tourism. What would it look like? And don't quote me. I believe there's four pillars or themes. They call them the concept of regenerative tourism is is included. But to make it a reality, as, as per your question, what does it mean? It means that we have to value the benefit of tourism differently because right now we measure it on how many people have arrived how much money have they spent you know we don't measure it on the benefits that it brings to the whole country and there and um you know our our tourism minister in said something at his first presentation. We only want high net worth travelers. And it's got everybody in an uproar because, and rightfully so, because the, the other visitors that don't come by private jet or business class, like backpackers who stay longer, have a huge value because they visit regions that the jets that the private jets and those don't right. And they, they go into the regions, they stay longer, they touch different operators and have a value. So we just have to find and agree on what we measure or how we measure the value of tourism and not just by number of visitors or number of cruise ships uh, (laughs) uh, or, or spend yeah maybe it was a little taken out of context but if i sat down with the minister and i was speaking to him in regards to his comment um it would be more about um we need to understand the value of all of our visitors and we have a very very special country and yes we want to make sure that we welcome people that give value back to New Zealand just as much as they take from their trip. So let's identify what those people look like, how they would act when they're here and what they would experience when they're here. Um, Yeah. And it's not all about the wallet size.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's going
1: to make a big difference about when our borders open because we're a long haul destination. Right. So People usually do New Zealand and Australia on the same trip, like a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And so if Australia opens before us and we're not open, then those people aren't going to come back down under for three, four, five years, right? Mm Because they've got a plan all over again. So, um, yeah, we need to keep New Zealand dream alive. We need to figure out how we can open our borders safely. Um, And wish we all had the answer on how that can happen
0: <laughs> that's so true well thank you so much Gina for the talk today I appreciate that so much it's such a fun conversation with you as well thanks for joining me for this episode of the Jaina Movement You can always catch us on iTunes and Spotify. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm on the pool of amazing tourism professional community. And if you like this, don't forget to share and spread the word on your social media. My name is Katie Ho, and I'll see you next time. Bye.